Hey, it's Travis. I wanted to take this moment to discuss our sponsor, BetterHelp. I used to think talking to a therapist was a sign of weakness until I started talking to one. It has really helped me limit the negative chatter that can infiltrate my brain. Therapy has helped me become a more insightful person, father, and husband. That's why I'm excited to tell you about BetterHelp. Their online platform makes finding a therapist incredibly easy. Fill out a brief questionnaire and you will be matched with a therapist in just a few days. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes, betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes, or click the link in my show notes. In doing so, you will be helping this show and you will receive 10% off your first month. If you aren't clicking with your therapist, if you're not getting a good vibe, BetterHelp will allow you to switch your therapist at any time with no additional cost. Online therapy is a game changer for me. I have such an erratic schedule. I work nights, weekends, late, early, holidays, you name it. Being able to video call my therapist from my phone in a call room, at work, or in my car, or whatever, it's extremely convenient for me and it allows me the time and the, the place to actually get my therapy in. So if you're struggling, if you need to talk to somebody, go to betterhelp.com forward slash thank you notes and they'll get you set up with somebody. This has been my thank you note to BetterHelp for supporting this show. Hi, welcome to the Thank You Notes podcast. I'm Travis McVeigh, an anesthesiologist from Dallas, Texas, and I love thank you notes so much I made them into a podcast. Today, I'm sharing my chat with Dr. Ben Schmidt or as hundreds of thousands of people on the internet know him as, Doc Schmidt. His TikToks and YouTube videos have been seen by millions. We talk about how he got started with the videos, what happened when he went viral, and his mindset going into accepting his first job fresh out of his GI fellowship. This was recorded a few months ago, so he has been working there for a while. My favorite thing about this episode is that Ben said his mission is to try and humanize doctors. So I made it my mission to try to humanize him from the wig-wearing funny guy into a real dude. Let's get to my chat with Dr. Ben Schmidt. All right, welcome to the Thank You Notes podcast. I'm joined by my very special guest, Dr. Ben Schmidt. Thank you. Thank you for uh, jumping on here with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is the Thank You Notes podcast. I ask this to everybody. Do you write thank you notes? I do, but definitely not as often as I should. I think it, it's really only for like big, big events. I think the last time was like after my my wedding, like writing thank you notes for all the the wedding gifts, and then before that, probably like fellowship interview. But probably should do it more often. I would say. Yeah. What was the last thank you note that you wrote? <sighs> Honestly, it probably was for my wedding, uh, like wedding gifts to friends and family for the gifts they got me for my wedding. So that was like. Four years ago, I want to yeah. say. So it's been a while. So you just got out of training. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I just finished less than a month ago, actually. Mm-hmm. How, how does it feel? Is it weird? Is it what, what's going through your mind? It, it has been very weird. Um, kind of, I, I was telling people, although obviously it's a huge accomplishment, it was, it was a little anticlimactic compared, or finishing fellowship was compared to finishing residency, just because it kind of, fades out in terms of responsibility whereas residency i feel like it was going 100 miles an hour up until the last day but then when i kind of sit back and have time to reflect in this uh, couple weeks that i've taken off it's it's very surreal just to think about how 
much I've changed in these kind of 10 years since, uh, since starting medical school. It's, it's very cool just to see how far I've gone. It hasn't really hit me yet because I haven't started my job yet, my post training job. I'll be starting that in a couple of weeks, but it feels, it feels, it feels nice. I feel definitely feel a sense of accomplishment, I guess you could say. I distinctly remember the first day after I completed residency and I woke up and I, I lived within walking distance to the hospital I trained at. And I saw the hospital and it, and it kind of blew my mind that there were surgeries going on and I, I wasn't putting people to sleep there. Mm-hmm. It's like, how, sure. how could this place function without me? But now that they just keep rocking and rolling without me, I was just a, a drop in the bucket. It was very right. strange. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I actually haven't, I don't think I've gone by uh, the hospital that I did fellowship at since, since uh, graduating. So maybe that's, that's part of my problem. I think that'll definitely be an interesting moment when I go by there for the first time. Now, in your new job, will you be working in the same hospital, or are you going somewhere different? Or no, I'll be going somewhere different, uh, same city, um, but I'm joining a a private practice uh, with a company called Essa Health. They're kind of like an independent company that kind of supports independent uh, physician groups. So it's kind of like a hybrid between the kind of hospital based model and a truly independent private practice. Very nice. And is that why you chose that group? Because you like that hybrid between the two practices? Or what was it that drew you to this job? Yeah, that was definitely a big piece of it. I I kind of did interviews with sort of each of the ends of the spectrum in terms of the hospital-based system, academic system, um, and and this system. And I like the idea of uh, being independent, having some increased level of control over uh, my job. But another part um, kind of unique to me is that they were really excited about my social media presence and they actually wanted me to incorporate that into the job and, and work with them and even to some degree help them with marketing in the sense of like including my coworkers in my videos for some of the videos and and those sorts of things. So I, I thought that was a really fun thing and it was it was cool to just see them acknowledge that and, and be excited about it too. Your your social media that actually helped you land this job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All to of some these extent. funny videos. Yeah, they they really liked the the kind of the message that I was able that I'm putting out there and and what they how they think that I could kind of fuse that with with their message and their practice model to kind of help more people hear about different types of of medical practice models. I, I want to get back to that, but I want to make sure that I ask mm-hmm. you something. We're uh we're doing a I guess a series here on this show, and we're talking about thanking the people that trained us. So I was wondering if there was somebody that stood out from your medical training. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as, who acted as a mentor to you and what kind of lessons he or she passed on to you? Yeah, I think the whenever someone asks me that, the first thing that comes to mind is um, someone from my medical school, actually. So a long time ago, um, relatively speaking, I guess, uh, Dr. Hamoud is his name. He was an advanced GI um, at the University of Missouri, or he still is um, at the University of Missouri, where I did my medical school. And he was I credit him with kind of getting me interested in GI um, in the first place. He was the person who did a lot of the um, M2, the second year medical school lectures uh, about GI and GI physiology. And he was just kind of had this infectious enthusiasm for GI. Um, some people were scared of him because he kind of taught with like the Socratic method where he'd be like giving a lecture and he'd be like listing uh, liver enzymes. And then he'd suddenly pause and like point to someone in the audience and be like, what is this? Mm. What is the diagnosis? So it was a little bit intimidating at first, but I, I really just was captivated by how he would interpret these problems and uh, these liver enzymes. Um, and then I kind of continued to work with him. I shadowed 
him initially as like a second year and early third year. And then I worked with him more extensively as a fourth year. And he was just very helpful for me and just kind of realizing the the importance of passion and enthusiasm for your work and how much of an impact that could make. He was the only advanced endoscopist um, at this hospital university of Missouri is relatively a smaller institution. So he was effectively always on call, but I literally never heard him complain about that. And he was always happy to help and he was never grumpy, never annoyed. Um, he was just had this intense enthusiasm. And I, I think that really went a long way because with in medical training, there's a lot of people who have kind of that opposite personality, I feel like in the sense that any minor inconvenience or any um, thing that makes them do extra work just kind of ruins their day and they spread that to everyone. He was, he was sort of the opposite of that. So I try as much as I can to keep that personality going. And then, you know, alongside that, the way he was able to show me the the field of GI really solidified my interest along the way. That's that's awesome. I think there's a there's also a generational component to that because when, when I talk to the people that train me and older physicians, you know, they were on call Q2. Um, mm-hmm. They ended up being the only endoscopist, the only person that can do a C-section or whatever for in a hundred mile radius. And you don't hear a lot of the complaining that you do with you know people in our generation. So I I don't know how they how they have that patience. I don't know how they have that fortitude. It's it's, it's remarkable mm-hmm. for sure. Admirable too. All right, I want to get to your social media feed. So you are Doc Schmidt, mm-hmm. and are, you're on Instagram. Are you on any of the other platforms? Yeah, I've, I've actually built followings on TikTok and on YouTube, and to a smaller extent, Twitter and Facebook as well. Okay. And go ahead and brag a little bit. How many followers do you have on TikTok or Instagram or what, what's your big achievement there? Um, I've got on TikTok, I have just a little bit under 500,000 followers. And on YouTube, I have about 550,000. Um, so it was just, just crazy to say. I, I kind of came up in the, the YouTube generation trying to be famous on YouTube. So it's very mm-hmm. surreal to to be at that level. And then I have probably between the other three platforms, I have about 200,000 between Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Wow. And was there a video that puts you over the top or really puts you on the map? Or has it been like a gradual thing? Or how did this come about? I think it, it was fairly, it, it wasn't a singular video, but it was fairly quickly that I went viral, so to speak. I, I had a week off in October of 2020. And that was kind of when I think it was Delta, one of the waves of COVID where I had a week off, but we I couldn't go anywhere. My wife was working. So I, I've i always enjoyed making videos as a kind of a pastime, but not necessarily in this medical capacity as I've done with this uh, platform. So I kind of decided to try to fuse those two and make some medical skits, medical uh, comedies. And I had that week off with nothing really else to do. So that allowed me to make a bunch of videos at once, which I think... Mm-hmm. There's some some advantage to that to quantity over quality initially, but I think the first video I had that really went viral is still one of the videos that I'm most proud of. That's kind of making fun of. It, it's an interaction between a um, physician and a mechanic, and the the physician is like you know bringing his car in to get his oil changed, and the mechanic the interaction with the mechanic it, there's a very strong um, allegory between how physicians act and now this physician is, is being treated in the same way in terms of you know not knowing how much it's going to cost not knowing how long the wait mm-hmm. time is going to be not having the records from prior treatments and those mm-hmm. sorts of things um and, and people really um responded to that and it hit you know ten thousand views after a couple of days and 
it hit a million views after a couple of weeks. Wow. So what would you say, like, what's the message that you're trying to get across? Is there a, is there a mission statement for Doc Schmidt? Yeah, I think, I think it's something that to some extent has, has morphed a little bit. When I first started, I was more just kind of having fun and trying to have a, uh, an outlet for lack of a better word, um, trying to, you know, entertain people, but also educate them. But I think what it's morphed into and what videos of mine have uh, kind of resonated with the most people is that I'm aiming to humanize doctors a little bit and, and show people both patients and, uh, medical trainees or, or pre-med people as well. I think that doctors are, are real people. We're not just robots that, that diagnose people. We make mistakes. We have fears. We have regrets. We, um, think things are funny. We think things are sad. And I think that even though it's a pretty simple message, I, I think that's lost on a lot of people and, and especially people who are, um, not, around doctors at all in their in their private social lives they they kind of can be intimidated by doctors and i think to some people hopefully i can show people that doctors don't need to be intimidating and doctors are looking to help you and and looking to make things better for you and then for uh pre-meds i think just showing what what the process can like and hopefully to some degree an unfiltered look in the sense that i don't shy away from the bad parts i want to show that you know, sometimes I struggle and sometimes I even in training, there were times where I regretted doing it just because it was so hard for that temporary time. So I want to be as transparent as possible and showing just the human side of being a physician. I, I've been trying to catch up on your feed over the past couple of weeks, and it, there's definitely a vibe. It's it's definitely somebody who's going through residency, somebody who's just out of medical school. And it kind of seems like a personal journal. And it seems like you, when you have these experiences that you go ahead and uh, you run home and make the video to like, because there's a, a, there's a guttural reaction that happens. You know, the first time that, you know, you have a patient lie to you, you have a patient scream at you, you have uh, some, you know, an interaction with a nurse or somebody else from the hospital and, and all of that makes it into your feed. So it, is this a, like a personal journal of your training? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've had so many instances where I could have like kind of, as you alluded to something unusual or something wild happened to me and, and have this outlet to immediately make it into a video that people can see and hopefully relate to and have some sort of response to. Um, I, I do that a lot. I kind of have a backlog as well, because I started this this feed as a fellow. So I had already completed med school and residency. But of course, I kind of have a backlog of these stories that stick with you. But then the, the majority of it has been fellowship stories just because they're happening real time. Um, we have a liver service at our hospital that fellows and residents staff together. And it's very common that I'll make a video. And then a couple of days later, the residents are texting me asking if, if the video is in relation to this specific instance that we experienced together. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, yes, it was in mm -hmm. direct, uh, direct response to that. One thing I really like about your feed is that you're not shy about taking on controversial subjects. Mm -hmm. Such as like nursing scope of pra practice creep, mid levels, and how to deal with them. You'll even get in the comments and mix it up with people too. Like, why do you delve into those areas when you know that you're going to get a lot of blowback? Yeah, that's a that's a fair question. Um, I do um, like to make some videos in these in these more controversial areas. And I think but there's a few reasons. I think that the style of video that I make a lot of times I I, I try to make more skit videos if i can sometimes i just do direct talk to camera but in, in making a skit sometimes i think i can um, make a point in a different way than some people have before 
Um, but I, I think a big part of what social media is and what this is, is a, a way to exchange ideas and kind of put your opinions out there based on your perspective. And that's a big part of, uh, that's another, I guess, um, mantra, I guess, of, of my platform as well, just the importance of recognizing different perspectives in healthcare, but also in life. So I think that by delving into these topics and showing my perspective, I can kind of maybe help mediate things a little bit. And that, that leads into why I like to get into the comments. Part of it is just because you know, I think it's, I think it's fun to interact with people that are enjoying my videos or, or maybe not enjoying my videos. Um, but it allows me to uh, be a little bit more nuanced when I'm making a skit. I, I have to make a really tight script and I can't necessarily fit everything in that I want to. So I can kind of elucidate things, things as needed. Um, in terms of situations that I shy away from or, or how I've changed, I guess I should also point out that I've, I feel like I've become a little or a lot more conservative in the sense that I, I try to be more open and I try to be a lot more um, kind of accepting to everyone's perspective. Because I think that's the big thing that I've learned along the way going through medical training is there, it's always a shade of gray, any, any issue. Like for instance, I made that video that I think you're alluding to where I had talked about how NPs and uh, MDs talk about each other, where you, it's very common in the medical field to, you know, someone tell a story about a bad experience with an NP. Um, but that's such an extreme and that doesn't using that as evidence of anything isn't really useful in terms of saying like, because of this one bad person, we shouldn't allow these types of people to work in this field like NPs meaning. Um, and I think that because you can always find an example of a bad MD in the same way. And that doesn't mean that MDs shouldn't work in one field. So I think that for the most part, I, I'm trying now to help people recognize that we really need to see the shades of gray with any issue um, in medicine. Um, and, and that's hopefully what I can do with the comments too, is to try to kind of moderate these, these discussions to help people realize that. I've watched some of these videos and I think it's specifically, I watched one today. You had some nurses talking about working three straight and I think you mm -hmm. were the fellow and then you, you were, you had to work 10 straight to get two days off mm -hmm. and yeah. Everybody's getting on to you for they say you're you're bagging on these nurses, but you're you're actually just trying to show that we all have our ordeals that we go through, and you're not exactly. saying that nurses have it easy, and you're not saying that doctors have it rough. It's just that we all have bad stretches of schedules. And yeah, no, exactly. That that that, that came out of that that essentially literally happened to me. I was just kind of like walking through a hallway. I I exaggerate a little bit. I wasn't personally in the middle of ten days in a row when I overheard it, but. It, it was more just it made me think that it's just think about how and and that honestly was kind of a real world example of what I mean in the sense of shades of gray and, and being extreme with your opinions. It's just think about how your kind of situation is compared to the, the greater field that you're in. So try to be mindful of other people's schedules. And right, exactly. Just because you have this one difficult stretch doesn't mean that it's harder or less hard than another person, but we're all you know, having difficulties. So just try to be mindful of, of what is challenging other people in your field. Well, the thing that gets me in healthcare is that if you want to go there and complain, there's always somebody that has it worse than mm -hmm. you. Like if I want to go there and complain about a surgeon taking too long, well, there's, there's a tech up on the floor that's white, but wipes butts for eight hours a day. And exactly. How do you think he or she feels about me saying these things? So especially in a hospital, somebody's always, you know, getting the short end of the stick and it's, mm -hmm. it's going to be your turn eventually. So. Exactly. And it all comes down to recognizing that. And, and I think that that's what 
because what I've pride myself on is when like, for example, I have a nurse character and there are nurses in the comments saying, I don't know how you captured how real that is, uh, how real the nursing experience is. And that that's kind of what I'm trying to do is use my experience as a fellow, but around nurses and working closely with them to try to show that I understand mm-hmm. as much as I can the, the perspectives of these other uh, people working alongside me in the, in the hospital. The other video I watched today that I really liked was the, it was that you were taking an ethics test and the, the options were, it was like uh, the, the, the prompt was uh, a family member wants you to grab some water for their uh, family member that's having surgery. Your options are a call the police, B uh, ignore them and continue doing and looking busy or something. It is all these options. And then, D, call an ethics consult, which was always in there. And E, it was, you know, clearly explained to them the risk, the risks of the NPO and anesthesia, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, it always drove me insane on those ethics because it was just, just a, more of a show that, that we're putting these students through these ridiculous tests and we don't really even care if they learn anything. Exactly. It was, it was more just like, well, there's always a mix. It was like those questions where it's like, are you just a decent human being? And can you even interpret these? You know, you could even just tell by reading the choices without even reading the uh, the prompt for some of these questions, what the answer yes. was versus the ones where they just every choice is like almost exactly the same. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know the nuance of this that you're getting at, but it's not helpful either way. And they they always have a, a low threshold for calling an ethics consult. Just, hey, guys, yes. we're here. Exactly. Okay. I think I called one ethics consult my entire medical training. Yeah. Um, you also do a lot of collaborations um, mm-hmm. on your feed with um, other like notable uh, social media uh, people from healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, are you guys like in a group chat or how, how do you come across these people? Yeah, the we do have a, like a WhatsApp group chat um, for a lot of us, um, the people that are on YouTube primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it is, it, it's been kind of an interesting journey because it, it's, it's for the most part that, that, uh, WhatsApp group chat came about relatively recently in the grand scheme of things. For the most part, it's been me. Um, well, the first time it was someone reached out to me and that was the first time I realized that you could even do this. And that kind of inspired me to reach out to other people. And then mm-hmm. it sort of became a snowball when people realized that I, you know, did collaborations, then they were more amenable to the idea then I could show examples of my prior collaborations. Um, and it was helpful whenever I do a collaboration, I, I take it upon myself to, you know, write the script and, and kind of do all the work just to kind of bring something to the table in terms of if it's someone who is more established in the, in the space than I am. Um, but as I grew and, and became bigger in the space, it became a fun way to reach more people, but also reach more people in the sense of audience, but also, uh, just, meet these other creators and, and learn about um, how they've been approaching uh, both the actual content creation, but also how they've been navigating other aspects of it and also how they've been mitigating the difficulty of being a content creator while also being in medical training. So it's been very mm-hmm. interesting. I, I have virtual friends and I've even met a couple of them in person along the way who are at you know each stage of training, um, like NDMD is someone who's in medical school um, currently, whereas like uh, Jake Goodman, MD, is a psychiatry resident currently. Uh, Dr. Glockenflecken, who everyone knows, I'm sure, is, has been an attending for some time. Um, so it, it's fun to be able to interact with all these different levels too. Yeah. 
where do you hope the feed, the feed is in like three, you know, five, three, five years? Like what, what, what are your hopes for Doc Schmidt? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I think I'm at a little bit of a crossroads right now where I'm trying to answer that question for myself too, because I am sort of, I, I think a big part of my page thus far has been the um, medical training experience. And now obviously I'm finished with that. Not to say that there's not, of course, going to be a lot more learning as I go through my first year as an attending. Um, but I think I just want to continue to be able to um, reach people with regards to teaching both about GI, but also about the practice of medicine. So now I think I can um, offer additional information and additional education to kind of late residents and fellows about what attending life is like. Um, and now I think I'm the other element that I've started to get into a little bit more is I want my videos, want, want to be able to combat misinformation more um, and continue to do that. So I think I just want to be able to continue to make videos consistently that are both gonna, going to be able to educate um, hopefully entertain a little bit and then combat misinformation. So not necessarily a big change for me. I think the main change will just be um, what the content is like in the sense of being an attending versus um, being a uh, medical trainee. I, I'm not necessarily someone who's looking to turn this into like a massive business or something. I just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little bit unique in that for a lot of people who are medical content creators, these videos that they're making are a, a means to an end of trying to gain an audience to maybe, you know, do public speaking or do TV or something like that. But, but for me, I really, I've always enjoyed making videos and editing videos. And I did that well before I was Doc Schmidt. So for me, I, to some extent, feel like I've made it and it's more, I just want to try to sustain what I've done and, and adapt with my, as my life changes to continue doing that. Yeah. I think it's going to change as, as your life changes, as your family changes, as your, your living situation changes. And you know, it's, it's just going to be, it's, you know, it's going to continue the personal diary and uh, me mm-hmm. and hundreds of thousands of other people are along for the ride. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I wrote you a thank you note in here. It says, dear Ben or Doc Schmidt, uh, thank you for all that you are promoting through the, the Doc Schmidt Instagram and TikTok feeds. It's refreshing to see somebody combat misinformation and get into complex topics such as nursing scope of practice and relationships with nurses. You never pull punches. You're always fair and you try to make people laugh. And I think we doctors need to focus more on that, on how we are presenting ourselves to our patients and being healers and being teammates with our patients rather than just preaching medicine to them. I hope you continue to do this in the future. Thank you for doing this. And also congratulations on your new position. Thank you, Travis. Thank you. Yeah. That's really awesome to hear. Because that's I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a fan, I, I'm glad man. you got that. Thank you. That's uh, that's great. I mean, I'm I'm just glad that you were able. I feel like a lot of what you got out of my videos is exactly what I'm hoping for people to get out of them. So I appreciate that. All right. So have you brought a thank you note for us, Ben? I I have. I I wrote a thank you note kind of to a group more than an individual person to the uh, endoscopy nurses that I've worked with over the three years of, uh, of medical school or of medical mm-hmm. school of fellowship. Yes. Uh, so dear endoscopy nurses, thank you for all your help over the last three years. Your assistance during endoscopies has helped me um, immensely become more comfortable during procedures and has to help me gain independence. Your help with providing abdominal pressure to help me navigate tortuous colons and your willingness to adjust the position of countless unconscious overweight patients in the name of 
Helping me complete a procedure has been invaluable. Your energy and positive attitudes have made endoscopy fun, even in the early months when I was overwhelmed and confused and rarely completed the procedure without assistance. While my attendings have, of course, taught me most of my endoscopy skills, your insight and input has helped shape me into the endoscopist that I am today. I wish I could bring you all along with me to my next job to continue helping me. But as a surrogate, I'll cherish what you've taught me along the way. Thank you, Ben. Wow. Yeah, that's they uh the nurses, especially in training programs, you know, they 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 see you, you know, crawl, walk, and run. Mm-hmm. And I think they take a special point of pride in uh seeing you seeing you open your wings and fly out of the nest. I agree. Definitely and NGI, I think that accelerates just because of how closely you work with nurses and endoscopy so it's it's you gain much or very close relationships um with them as as they can you know can kind of like i said in the in the note kind of help you help you fly a little bit Mm -hmm. well that's great uh so you start your new job in what a few weeks yeah august 1st will be my first day what are you uh most looking forward to and what are you most anxious about um, I think that maybe even the same thing. I think I'm looking forward to the independence in the sense that I'll have the um, efficiency and be able to kind of take even more ownership of my patients. But at the same time, mm-hmm. of course, I think that's also what I'm most anxious about. Um, maybe the the distinction is I'm excited about the independence in the office setting, the clinical setting and seeing patients in the clinic. But w- on the endoscopy side, um, just the the anxiety of doing procedures truly independently for the first time where I'll, yeah. you know, have to kind of struggle along a little bit, I'm sure at the beginning before getting completely comfortable with that true independence. Yeah. Uh, so do, do you have a block of patients like waiting for you or you just have to wait or. No, I will. Happen? Yeah. The, I, I'm fortunate in that the, the group I'm joining already has um, three GI docs and three NPs um, that are, as of now, they've been kind of juggling the extra patients from a physician who retired uh, a little over a year ago. So I'm going to kind mm-hmm. of take over his patients and then kind of they're all just going to equally distribute the new ones as they as they come in. But I've been told that I already have a full schedule. I, I don't have access to my uh, to my schedule yet, but I've don't been told look. I'll be busy. Yeah, don't, exactly. Don't look. <laughs> exactly. All right, Ben, uh, we're going to wrap things up here. I have a last question for you. You just got back from a whirlwind tour of Europe. What is mm-hmm. the best thing you saw and the best thing you ate? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, I went to several European cities. I went to London. I went to Brussels, Bruges, which is a smaller city in Belgium, and Amsterdam. I'm going to answer the, what I ate first. The best thing I ate was a chocolate waffle in Bruges, Belgium. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a Belgian waffle that had like melted chocolate, milk chocolate yeah. on top with strawberries on top of that. You might have mm. seen a picture of it. Um, I can't remember if I posted one, but it was truly one of the best dessert I've ever eaten for sure. And I still kind of think about it. Um, and I think, oh, it's tough. The, the, the best thing I saw, I think was also in Bruges, interestingly. So clearly I need to go back here. There, there's this amazing bell tower that was built, I want to say in like 900, the year 900, um, initially. Some some absurdly old age, maybe maybe a thousand or something like that. But it's just this very unique um, kind of architecture because of how old it is, and it's you can climb up it. But of course, there's no elevator or anything. It's like 400 stairs to the top. Mm. So seeing it from the from below and then climbing it and seeing it from the top was was a lot of fun. 
if anyone's ever seen the movie in Bruges, um, it's, yes. it's featured heavily in that movie, a major plot point in that movie. So you should see it if you haven't, but it, that I think elevated it for me because that's one of my favorite movies. So I was, it was very cool to see it in real life. Did you take the kid with you? No, we, we left her with the grandparents. Oh, lucky you. Yeah. So it was a true, true vacation. <laughs> that's awesome. Why did you choose London, Bruges and uh, Amsterdam? Um, I, I've always been interested in, in British culture. I kind of love British movies. I love British accents. Um, so I've, I've always been interested to go to London, um, Amsterdam. I actually have relatives that live outside of Amsterdam. So I was able to kind of see them alongside visiting Amsterdam and, uh, kind of retrace some of my, um, my heritage steps. And then, uh, honestly, Brussels was just a means to get to Bruges because I've always wanted okay. to visit it because I love that movie so much in Bruges. Um, and it's just kind of in between, it worked perfectly because it's sort of in between London and Amsterdam on the train routes that they have. So it just worked out. Very cool. All right, Ben, Doc Schmidt, thank you for joining me today. Uh, best of luck with the new job, best of luck with the feed. And thank you again for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It was tons of fun. Wow, I want to thank Ben for taking time away from his wife and family and social media obligations to chat with me. I really enjoyed that. He is still pumping out videos on his social media accounts. I will have links to all of those in the show notes. Please give him a follow. Please like, rate five stars, review, subscribe, tithe, and pledge your loyalty to this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Please visit the website and send in your own thank you note. I might feature it on the show. Email me at thankyounotespod at gmail.com. Follow the show wherever you get your social media fix. Links to all of those are also in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey, 